Welcome everyone to the Miss Art World podcast. I am your host, Catherine. I have my co-host Samuel Cooksey with us with Samuel Cooksey Project. Howdy, 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 everybody. And today we have Jason Jen with LA Art Documents, whose mission is documenting, preserving, and curating the contemporary art scene in Los Angeles and beyond. Welcome, Jason. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Jason is also an amazing artist. Um, before we begin, can you tell people where to go to find the LA art documents and then also where to go to find your work too? Absolutely. That's why I'm here. Um, you, can, you can find uh, us online at laartdocuments.com. And then we have our social media, which we love. Um, Instagram is art.documents. And then we have our Facebook page and um, then you can find me at jasonjin.com or jasonjinartist on Instagram. Those are the kind of primary mediums we like and YouTube. We love, we love our YouTube channel uh, for LAR documents. That's where we post all of the videos that we create. So there's this uh, catalog of some really wonderful documentation of both exhibitions and performances online. How big is the space there that most of the performances are or like the gallery almost? So we're not, we don't have a, a set physical space. LA art documents is actually, um, we go around to different gallery spaces and we document shows and exhibitions. And then we also can be hired to, you know, document someone's live performance so that it's preserved for prosperity. Um, being artists ourselves, Voislav Radovanovich, my partner, and myself, I, you know, we both have backgrounds as visual artists, as uh, media specialists. I have a background in performance art. Voislav uh, is Serbian, and he went to the same school as Marina Abramovich. And uh, so he has this entrenched background of performance art as well. And he was a, a TV journalist for a different um, art programs in uh, Europe. So he has this journalism background. And when he moved to Los Angeles in 2017, uh, we met, we were collaborating on a project at the time. I worked for a media company that was managing the video screens at LAX's international terminal. And my uh, boss was like, we, let's find some artists to collaborate with. And I met Voice Love and we started to collaborate. And we just realized that we both have this common background uh, in video documentation and that there was a need to create uh, you know, more documentation of the LA art scene and to provide you know, uh, this preservation. I had, I've lived here since uh, 1998. And for the past probably 12, 15 years, I was um, documenting the underground performance art scene. So it just kind of made sense that the two of us joined forces and um, started LA Art Documents based out of a, a business he had in Serbia called Art Documents. And um, <laughs> then we basically were like, okay, let's do this. And we started uh, since uh, the fall of 2017. So um, when you're documenting it, what's the normal setup that you have? Do you have a bunch of a camera equipment or just have your yeah. one that you go with? 
Yeah, we, we both, so we are a team, we collaborate. So we're often uh, working in tandem with each other. We have two different cameras that we use. We use a, a Panasonic, um, I can't remember the, the fancy name, UX, blah, blah, blah. And this, the Sony Alpha and then um, iPhones for uh, certain things. And we basically have a set of tracks, tripods. We go in and we, we do coverage. We both shoot um we can, you know, when we need to, we can individually shoot, but sometimes we go in a pair and then one person has a particular skill or an eye. Voice Love is really good at using the tracks so that we get these beautiful panning shots of images and then um, we'll kind of switch and take over. So we get these different uh, perspectives. And then when we're editing, uh, one of us will usually set up the shot and another one comes in and gives like, hey, I think this would be, you know, maybe this sequence would be better. Um, and we really work well together as a team. And that's what I love about working with Voice Love is that there's two of us. And when people, it, it's nice to have that, the different eyes looking at something and uh, achieving a, a beautiful look. I'm, I tend to be more of the storyteller and voice love tends to be more of the making sure everything is visually on point. He's so sharp on that. There, there are things he does that I, I'm, I can't do, but that's why it's great that we work together. So is editing probably the uh, longest part or like the most time it, consuming? It really or is can it be. Filming? Yes. It okay. really can be. I don't know if you've ever had to do some editing in front of a computer, but it is, it can be super simple um, and you'll get, a particular thing but when you really want to immerse yourself and get deep that's where things get um, tricky and complicated and color correction you know one of the banes of our existence is when we go into a gallery and we're like there's two different color temperatures of the lights you know like they're not even, they're, they're not even aware of it but like you know or the new, some of the new leds have a a, a particular uh frequency of flicker rate so all of these things have to be taken into account when you're using cameras and so it's, it's really interesting yeah. from a curator perspective because we also curate work what you can see behind me is uh from our current show that is closing this weekend at angels gate cultural center called sanctuary of the aftermath but when we're curating we're, we really had to think about like what you know are you setting a warm tone are you setting a cold tone how's the outside light affect things mm -hmm. so when we're with the flicker rate do you see it as you're filming or no do you have to when you go back into the computer then you see it sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't see it until afterwards it, it, but you, there are ways to um adjust so we've we've made adjustments but it's, okay. it's something that people that, you know we were at an event once uh documenting for this artist kayla tange and um, we were shooting this, uh, you know, shooting her inside this beautiful cube uh, of plexiglass with LED lights along the side. And a woman, you know, ran up to voice them. It's like, I, I don't, how are you doing this? I can't like, how do you, how are you shooting this? My phone is freaking out from the, from the lights. So he had to like <laughs> help her adjust while he's still documenting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's things like that, but you know, it, these are wonderful problems to have, I guess, not wonderful, but they're just, you know, with advances in technology, these are the, this is what we're, we're dealing with. So, and it, there's always a learning curve. We're always learning something new from, from 
seeing these exhibitions from documenting something experience really does matter and come into play and you know it's just a pleasure to be able to to see all these shows when we can and that we're you know re-emerging so yes are you um do you just wait until artists are wanting to hire you or do you kind of pick and choose the different shows that you will want to go and document as well oh we love it when people reach out to us because we love to like work with them and talk about what they want you know from the from the get-go um but we love also exploring you know the exhibitions around town so we really love to curate uh the scene what's been like one of the most memorable things that you guys have uh come across Ooh, really good question. I mean, we, we are so blessed to be in Los Angeles with so many great shows and, and experiences. Um, as I mentioned before, documenting Kayla Tonke's show at Human Resources was really fun because um, I was positioned in like the crow's nest up above balcony and, and shooting down at this you know, wonderful group of people gathered. And Voiceless was you know, in the trenches, if you want to say, and like moving around and getting shots. But, um, you know, recent exhibitions, I don't know if you've been out and about, but I, I definitely love the uh, Made in LA 2020 at the Huntington Library and the recently closed Jeffrey Deitch show, uh, Shattered Glass. Those were really great shows. Um, I'm loving, you know, just, just that there's so much activity happening. And MOA, Lancaster is always on the favorite of places to go visit. It's definitely worth the trip out that way. It's a beautiful building and location. They, I'm very impressed for Lancaster. Samuel and I grew up in Palmdale um, and our parents still live out there. And so we are able to go visit that uh, museum often. And it's just every time I'm in there, I'm like, wow. The Antelope Valley has some, like, a gem for art. It's amazing. But, yeah, you know, Lancaster is a great example of what uh, an art institution can do by, you know, putting it down in the center of the, de the downtown like that. It really permeates outward of this culture, knowing that there's all the murals uh, that are also from it. I, I love community art. Um, I love public art and think that, you know, when it's done well, it's it's really exciting. It's one of the things that I love traveling around Europe was you'd always turn a corner and there'd be some monument, some statue, some really interesting art piece or something to see. And you don't see it as frequently in the United States, but I do think in recent years, there have been more, um, there's been a more opening up of having murals and well, that's why I like LA because you walk through and there's a lot of graffiti art all over the place. And that's, I love taking pictures of uh, the graffiti art all around because um, I live very close to Venice and there's always those artwork pieces that are going up and it's a fun place to kind of run around. <laughs> well, and one thing that I noticed from your Instagram is you guys are all over. You were in New York. I think you were in Miami as well. And I, I'm curious, um, because you have such breadth in travels and seeing different art scenes, how does L.A. compare to other places that you've been? Really, really great question. I do think so. L.A. 
is very is a very exciting space with so much happening and i think there's a great deal of talent here um back in 2006 i believe i had the opportunity to to, to go over to paris uh to the pompidou center where they had an exhibition honoring 35 years of los angeles art um, my mentor rachel rosenthal performance artist um i went with her she had an ex she had uh, a piece on view in the exhibition and it was honoring all these greats you know ed moses john balzari um all of these la greats and um it was sort of paris's way of saying the crown of contemporary art now belongs to los angeles um you know which the, the joke was, well, they're upset because New York took the crown away from them you know, <laughs> in, the, in the middle of last century. But, um, you know, I do think that I'm, I'm seeing a trend of, of more and more people moving to Los Angeles, definitely from New York and San Francisco. People from those cities used to always look down on Los Angeles. And now it's interesting that they're moving to Los Angeles. And um you know, having lived here for 22 years, going on 23 years now, I've loved it. Um, yes, there are times where I, I don't, I'm not, ex, I'm not thrilled living here with the traffic and, and different aspects, but I, I just love the energy and the opportunity that's here. And I think a lot of that is because of the Hollywood industry. It brings so much talent here. So you have job opportunities for people who are talented visual artists that are able to then work you know, in the film industry for a while and, and balance both of those things. Uh, so I think it's, it's just fantastic what, what LA brings. And I do think there is a level of, um, with anything that is so big like Los Angeles that you, you do have some things that are maybe surface level or they're just, you know, uh, you know, they're not the greatest works of art that you've ever seen, but I think that's what's exciting is that there's there's so much opportunity here. Um, it's also can be very competitive. I mean, I think everyone's experienced that sense of like disappointment when they didn't receive, um, you know, a participation in something uh, because it's just too, there's so many people in Los Angeles. But at, that, at the same time, that's what makes it so exciting. And you can always... Um, see something. There's always something to do here, which can be a, a bit of a problem because you can be distracted. You can be, <laughs> you can think that you're going to uh, get something done, and then all of these, you know, great events and great things are happening. <laughs> I was just gonna say, especially as you get to know um, artists, and then you want to support them. Um, like I have fallen in love with tag gallery because I'm close to Ryan. And so every time they have an opening, I'm, I want to be there. I want to go. And it just, you only have so many weekends to work on your own artwork. So it's juggling that, that support as well as being a creator is difficult. Yeah. I, I had to give up many years ago that, that sense of upset over people not coming to see my show. Um, you know, we have this amazing exhibition uh, at Angels Gate Cultural Center right now called Sanctuary of the Aftermath. And it's been up for since the beginning of, beginning of April. But it's a big request in, to ask people to travel all the way down to the southernmost point in Los Angeles County of, of you know, San Pedro um, 
beautiful space. Uh, if you, if anyone out there is listening and has never been there, it's worth going, whether there's an exhibition or not, because it's this beautiful vista overlooking. Uh, you can see the the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach from one angle, which is you know the largest port in the United States, and you know you can see the ocean. It's basically former military uh, barracks that were used in World War II that have been converted to 50 artist studios and an art gallery. And so when we received the award to present our exhibition there, we were really excited because um, it's a beautiful space. And you can kind of see from my works uh, in the photo, I, for for the show and for the past year, I've, I've been particularly interested in site-specific uh, art based on gathering leaves and um, other materials, seed pods and, and, and droppings from the tree and then pinning them to the wall to create these mandalas. The, you know, there are a lot of artists who do mandalas with leaves, but what I, I do is treat them with gold or copper leaf, kind of a pun, a leaf on a leaf, and um, create these you know, beautiful, awe-inspiring pieces that are pinned to the wall, I kind of see them as acupuncture of a sort visually so that you're pinning to the wall. It's almost like butterflies being pinned, you know, on display, but they're leaves. And the way that I've treated them um, reflects the light and sort of gives, from what I've, you know, from people have been responding to them, they, they have this sense of awe from them. And the, the goal is to remind people of our connection to nature. Um, there's definitely a play with the mix of natural materials and the synthetic uh, artificial gold and copper leaf that I put on. So there's, there's, you know, that's what our world is all about is this combination can you, when you put them up, is there a way to take them down so it's the exact same piece or no? Like once it's up, once it's up, and you take it down. A, yeah, I, I'm sure. Um, you know, as a performance artist, you get used to creating these ephemeral things, and you know, documentation is the only thing that's left. And documentation is a a watered down form, or no, it's a flattened version of something that's three-dimensional that's meant to be seen in person and you know I've, I've had to let go there's a certain sense of of you create something and you put it out there you honor it you you, you, you know feel that you know you these works particularly I feel create an energy in the space um but then you document it and then you move on and that's why documentation is so important to have because uh, sometimes a single photograph or a, a, a poorly rendered video doesn't really do the justice that seeing something in person can do. Nothing can really replicate that in-person experience. I've been, you know, this past year, virtual tours have been, you know, very hit and miss. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of trying to, navigate through virtual experience. Although I feel very grateful that we have a virtual uh, tour of this exhibition because it's, it is nice for people to be able to see the layout. But what we do at LAR Documents is we're, we're curating the vision. We're, 
we're, you know, we're really controlling how people are going to experience the art. And we always try to make the, the documentation reflect the type of experience that the artwork deserves and is trying to communicate. So sometimes it takes beautiful pans and close-ups and, you know, you want to see the texture of paints. So you want to see, you know, the, the, the visceral aspects. Um, so that answers what your question was. Yeah. These pieces are going to be gone and um, they, you know, they're, they're decomposing as it is because they're, they're dead dried leaves. Um, I have preserved them a little bit by, by coating them with uh, Mod Podge, which prevents air from breaking them down faster. They will eventually crumble. But did you have the idea in your head as you were pinning it or did you gather them and then as you went, came up with the designs? You know, initially this project, I had no intention of creating mandalas, but I was in a show at El Camino College called What Is It About Trees, uh, curated by Susanna Mayers. She's the director of the art gallery at El Camino. And I live 10 minutes from there and um, I proposed to her a project where I would basically visit the campus and do a series of, of meditations with different trees on the campus and document those trees and document the process and see what came up from the meditation. And she loved the idea. And um, about a month into visiting the trees, I was meditating and the sunlight uh, hit my eyelids as I was there. And I saw a vision of a, of a mandala and a, a particularly a ring of sycamore leaves around the outer ring. So I knew that I was gonna create mandalas. So that's when I started gathering the leaf materials. Um, Andy Goldsworthy, if you're familiar with uh, his work as an uh, uh, environmental and land-based artist, uh, is a big inspiration. And I've, I've, I've used leaves before to create patterns and stuff, you know, as an homage to Andy Goldsworthy. But this is the first time I've done something a little different by, remo you know, taking them and preserving them and pinning them to the wall. So for the people that don't know what a mandala is, can you explain what it is? A mandala is, is, in, is used as a way, it's like a map of the world. And so it's a, it's a circular, generally uh, uh, drawing or, or some kind of pattern that is circular in nature. And it is in a lot of Eastern philosophies, the idea of it represents the larger macrocosm, but in a small form. So it's sort of their way of, of imagining the universe or the cosmos or the world, but in, in an artistic form, format. And so oftentimes you will get mandalas that are like sand mandalas in, in Tibet, where they'll create this amazingly beautiful pattern out of sand and then it'll blow away. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, it'll exist for, for a bit and then they start over. They just brush it aside. You know, it's this idea that we're all temporary. We're all, you know, part of this cycle of life. We all die and, and something else comes to take our place. Is that the same? This might be a really stupid question. Is that the same with the sand that's on your like desk and you got the little rake and you could rake it? Is that what you're supposed that's to do? That's a Zen garden. Yeah, that's okay. it's similar, but it's that's instead of a sand mandala, that is a, like a Zen garden. 
funny enough, we have uh, an artist in Sanctuary of the Aftermath. Again, I mentioned her before, Kayla Tongay, who her inspiration is a, a, a Zen garden. And she has a rake and she has a, a light up sandbox that illuminates from underneath. So when you put the rake over the sand, you can see the light coming through. It's a beautiful piece. It's yeah. It's been one of the most popular um you know, I, I work at the Torrance Art Museum uh, as well, and I, I got to curate. Uh, I have a show coming up this summer that I'm curating in Gallery 2. And then I curated in 2019 Kayla's work, and it was the most popular thing. People were coming back to the museum so that they could draw in the sand. Um, that was cool. Can you talk a little bit about the curating process and how you go about it? And yeah. um, Well, I think viewers hopefully will know that curating means to care and there is a lot of care that is needed when you cur curate something. It's a lot of planning. Um, Voice Love and I talked a lot about our philosophy of curating, which um, fortunately we, we have similar perspectives, which is a combination of really, really being on top of things and staying organized and making sure that like there's good communication, that you select great arts. There's a lot of planning that's needed. And then there's a lot of this sort of like in the moment inspiration and allowing things organically to take shape. So to me, there's this balance between the two of them. And, and there's, there's a lot of that in performance art as well. Um, my, my training in improvisational um, performance art, where you have to balance this sort of knowing what you're doing, but also allowing whatever comes up in the moment. So for our show, we curated, uh, we had eight artists originally in the show. And then as Time went on and we, we, we realized there were some other artists that needed to be included. So we, it grew to 11 artists, but we also wanted to make sure that each art piece had its own space, its own integrity. Um, we wanted pieces of art to communicate with each other. There's this sort of dialogue that you're creating with the artworks. When you put one artwork next to another artwork, they're going to have a context that they're creating. So curation really has to think about what you're putting next to another and what dialogue that's bringing up. So, you know, there've been cases where um, an, a curator will put one object in front of another object and it completely changes the meaning of both objects by being next to each other. So we were very conscious of that for this show, but we also were, were very organic and our exhibition, Sanctuary of the Aftermath, included artworks that were pre-made, that were ones that we picked that existed for years and we knew what was going to like be there. And then we also gave opportunities for five artists, I think it was five, to create brand new works. And we didn't really know, we know we didn't force them into any particular thing. We just said, you know, this is the theme we trust what you're going to do. And we were in communication and, and the result um, was really stunning. And, and we're, you know, it's sort of this balancing act and, you know, our show is about uh, works of art that 
address contemporary issues, but have a spiritual component to them, not necessarily religious, not denominational, but that there's some process that the artists were using that you could see the art process as spiritual. Um, to me, you know, Voice Love I know particularly, you know, he has no uh, practice, but his art is his, is his spirituality. And um, it's, it's a love, you know, we have a, a, a guy, Jeff Frost, who's a video artist who created an agnostic ritual with his video piece. And um, so we have this, you know, a lot of different elements in this show and um, it's beautiful how it all came together. There was a sort of spirit that was guiding it. Um, how often are you able to curate shows? Is it, I know it's a, it can be a long process. It's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of work. Um, you know, I, I just thought of that recently. You know, we have a lot of ideas for shows that we'd like to do and I have so many people that I just love their work. And I'm like, I can so see a show, you know, someday in the future, but it is so much work and you do have to, you know, being an artist yourself, you have to balance out like how much energy you're putting out and how much you're putting into your own work. So I want to be, you know, I'm trying, I, I, you know, it's like, I, I haven't curated loads of things, but um, I have done a lot of, you know, planning and organizing performance art events, curating performance art. And, I, I, you know, for me, it's important that as many wonderful ideas as I have in my head, just to, to focus on quality over quantity. And um, uh, I'm really proud of the upcoming exhibition that I'm that is currently being installed at Torrance Art Museum uh, this summer of uh, on July 17th, we're opening the museum again. It's been 16 months closed. Um, if you've never been to Torrance, it's a great time to come. There's on July 17th, we're having a, a reopening ceremony with live performance art. Three different performers that I've curated are, are going to be doing durational performances. And then I have an exhibition in gallery two called even sparkles have shadows. I'm, you would love it. I'm sure because it's all about things that, <laughs> that sparkle, but have a, a deeper, darker story to them. Sounds and, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the launch of this uh, public art exhibition called Ultra that the staff members have been organizing and put together so that there's like 20 different places around the city of Torrance where people can go and, and view art from the high schools to city hall to the library to places in the mall parks. I'm really excited about the ones that are in the parks. Um, so, it, you know, it's like this, we've been shut down for quite a while, but it's, it's allowed time for, for other things to come out of it. I've, I, I'm in charge of the um, outreach, which includes social media and web and stuff like that. And we initiated a program of, of the staff writing as personal essays about artists they love and, I am, I, I, I actually came out to Los Angeles to be a writer, to be a screenwriter and did not know that my journey was going to take me a, a completely different route. I call it the, the left-handed route. I took, took a left turn. Um, and uh, so it's really, really nice to, to, to write about these, these artists that I admire and to think about how that connects with my own life and my own journey. Um, 
and you know, particularly thinking of what will be interesting to the public. You know, I, I you know, we've all created art pieces that are narcissistic in some ways. You know, I've used narcissists as a theme in a lot of my works because we're in a society where you're, you know, having to self-promote, you're having to like put yourself out there. I mean, a lot of your work deals with that, those aspects of, you know, this art world. Yeah. Um, I love that, you know, and, um, and we, we can't deny that there's this intrinsic element in us as, as people, we have an ego, a healthy ego is a good thing. Uh, an unhealthy ego is not narcissism. That is, that is a, a condition as we know from, leaders in the country is not good. Um, but, uh, it is important that, you know, to, to reflect on these issues and I, I lost my train of thought, but the point was that, you know, I, 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 that we were dealing with these, these, uh, you know, what, what does, you know, what's important to share with people. And a lot of my artwork has been, I want to move people. I want to, I want to educate and entertain people at the same time. I've always liked to to leave people inspired and uplifted. I get a little disappointed when there's artwork that just, that leaves you a little cold or a little bit like, you know, John Baldessari, I will not make any more boring art. You know, I I don't want to create boring art. I want to create something that actually affects someone in some, you know, in a way. And I tend to be more of a comforter rather than a provocateur. Although I have an alter ego, the trickster troubadour who purposely likes to, you know, propose things that provoke people and, and, and you know, to profound, you know, in profound ways. So the trickster is an important archetype. Do you have any performances coming up for yourself? Uh, no, I have, you know, it's, it's been important to kind of take time off. Um, I say that, but I think I do have some performances coming up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the time being, you know, I, I did, you know, I, I did create during this pandemic some video art. I, I had a show last January in, 2000, uh, in 2020 that uh, I performed, which I was really excited to tour with. Um, oh. you know, and I was starting to submit proposals. It was called ecstasy for everyone. And it was actually based on this queer poet named James Broughton, who was a, a visionary filmmaker and poet. And, um, the show is me reciting his poems with a performance art twist based on some of his film foot. He had, he, he's an amazing artist. Um, really out there and his uh one of his mottos was i believe in ecstasy for everyone so the show was this like ecstatic celebration of life and i was i started off the year like really pumped up and really excited and um you know that's not how things go and that's okay i you know um it's been a really tough year for a lot of people i feel very fortunate that um that i had certain things in place to, to keep me grounded. And, you know, I live 10 minutes from the beach and I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a huge beach person, but now, but now I am, I've been going to the beach. Uh, I've gone to the beach this past year more than I ever 
had in my 20 years combined in Los Angeles. So this one year, you know, more than 20 years combined because of that, because of having, you know, needing to have that experience of getting outside and walking and taking in nature during this pandemic. So I, I created a lot of video art during, during the, you know, performance art was sort of videos that were performance art or directing other people uh, mm -hmm. to create some video. Do you have a piece um, right now that is your favorite piece that you've done? Ooh, yeah. Um, well, XCC for everyone is, it, it's, it's interesting because it's not my work, but it is, it is so me in that show because I'm, I'm embodying another person's words, but I'm able to so be myself. And some audience members were, you know, that know me, friends and colleagues who know my work, even said that to me before, like, wow, this, this piece is so you like, and yet you're doing somebody else's work. Um, I did a, a piece in 2019 called uh, creatures with a Q. And, um, you know, it was a beautiful piece to be able to do. It was for the, uh, a, the kid in all of us. And it was uh, at a, an art gallery. Um, I like doing art, I like doing site-specific work. I love the challenge of an unusual location outside of the theater um, to do a performance. I like performing in galleries. I like performing in outdoor spaces. I know some people hate that and it can be very scary and daunting, but I love trying to figure out how to create something for a particular space and for an unusual setup for the audience as well. But, uh, but personal favorites, you know, I, I have so many children that I love. <laughs> was there anyone um, that had like a very particular, well, you talked about doing the poems. Um, is there anyone that, that you look back on and go like, that was not like necessarily me or that was like, not, not saying that you regret any, oh. but is one that's kind of well. like, I got, you know, early on in my career in 2004, I had the opportunity to present a sh like a, a epic, you know, show at, at Highway's Performance Space. And, you know, Rachel Rosenthal is my mentor. She's really excited about it. You know, in the context of, of our workshops and everything, it was it was great. We put the cast together. We we really had to to rush it through the process. It was a lot of fun, but it was like we didn't really have as much time to rehearse as possible. And the LA times hated it. The, the, the critic, the one critic, but it was one of those things where it's like, Oh my God, like you're getting this like scathing review on something basically just went over, it went over her head. And um, looking back on it, it is, it is a problematic piece. I have, there's things I'm like, yeah, could have been better. Um, but you learn from that. You learn from your failures and your mistakes. And um you know, it's out there in the world. It's a head scratcher. My, my, my older sister came and flew out to Los Angeles and, and saw it. And I don't think she, had, she was like, I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> I think Catherine, he would have loved it though. Cause it had all kinds of really <laughs> great, you know, bizarro stuff. In it. <laughs> the weirder, the better in my book. <laughs> yeah. So did your family come and see a lot of your pieces? Um, no, uh, you know, 
I'm, I've, they've always been, I'm, I'm the weird one of the family. Mm-hmm. They, they, um, and they've all known that they're all like, it's great that you're, you're weird. Um, they don't say that, but that's the kind of thought that, um, so, uh, I did do a show specifically for my family in Iowa. There was a, I would go back every year to work on my cousin's organic farm for a, a three-year period. And when I went back, I would do what I called my unorthodox spiritual cabaret, which was based on storytelling and singing acapella songs that had um, a very, it was part of the trickster troubadour persona that they were really kind of twisting your perspective of what you think of about certain archetypal issues. Um, I'm, I'm trying to give you an example. Um, I have a story that I tell about my grandfather that he told me and he's like, Jason, I have this problem and I really need your help. You see for all my life, I was a farmer and my hands were in the soil and I worked with the land and I was always in touch with the processes of of the earth. And the problem is I don't like the way that I am buried. So if you would go to my grave and dig up my body and take me out of the box and lay my remains into the earth and cover me back up and plant all manner of, you know, flowers and crops and plants. And even though I know that, you know, my, you know, my spirit is free, my physical body yearns to give back to the, you know, to the earth and to grow again and to feel the process of life, you know? So it's like telling the story of like, you know, I'm kind of, this was an abbreviated version, but to kind of lead people down a path and then suddenly like, whoa, wait a minute, you, your, your grandfather told you this story, which he did um, in a dream. And uh, to be able to like make people think about how we're, you know, how we are burying ourselves, how we, how we treat death, how we are disconnected from the cycles of life. I mean, when I die, I want to have a tree planted over me. I want my body's remains to be absorbed by the tree. I used to always say in my next life, I want to be a cloud because I love clouds. I love looking at how they're, you know, taking on all these shapes and shape shifting and floating. But as we know, our planet needs more trees. Right? So, so your grandpa told you the story in a dream. Basically that's what, yes. Had he already, or has he um, passed away? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. This was, this was like, this vision came to me like, I, yeah, like, 10 years after his death. Did you, I, have not, I have not gone to his grave to, to, to dig him up, but. Okay. I was going to say that. I will get arrested. And I don't think my family will like that. But <laughs> yeah. At least, you know, at least I can tell the story and make people think. about. Can you, um, not saying you should dig people up, but can you bury yourself without being in a coffin? Yes, there are some uh, places now you can, uh, you, it's, there's a lot of legal work to, to do because our laws are, you know, I, I do not want to be pumped full of um, chemicals. I, I would like to decompose, but um, yeah, there are, there are different webs. There are now sites that you can go to and like uh, put your body in special remains that will, it, it, it takes there's a process involved yeah well it's just like you bring that up 
or you bring it up just as kind of an odd thing to think that you would be pumped full of things to help you not decompose when, you know, the natural order of everything is to decompose, decompose have, the earth again. But isn't that what hum- humanity has done? I mean, we've removed ourselves from the cycles of life. We've removed ourselves, you know, we've created these structures that basically completely you know we want to remove all insects we want to remove all life you know at, you know outside other than the plants which i see that you have which is you know great um but yeah <laughs> but we remove ourselves you know it's like ew gross you know i'm not you know I'm, i can't say i'm a huge camping fan but i like to camp and like i like to go on hikes and be in nature you know so I try to remind myself of, you know, my childhood, which was playing in rivers and streams and forests and stuff. But um, like anyone as an adult, we, we kind of remove ourselves. It's, but I would like when I die to decompose. It's interesting to see that kind of philosophy within the work that you are doing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Nice. it's, it's poetic. I like it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, before we talk way too long, <laughs> um, I, the my last question for you is um, for the LA art documents. Is there anything coming up for um, you guys specifically that you would like to promote, or um, any like maybe last thoughts on? You know, it's re- as you as you probably know, it's so difficult in, in our world to be heard, to be like, to get attention without, you know, spending an enormous amount of money on advertising. There's so much noise in the world. And what our philosophy is we want to create the best quality work that we can that represents the artist. And we do what we can to, to, to do that so that the artist can really put their best foot forward because you're creating, you're putting so much heart and soul into your artwork and to set up an exhibition and then it's gone. So that, you know, it's ephemeral and we wanna help uh, someone, we wanna help people to keep that work going so that they can submit it to other places to, and and you really, sometimes you only get one chance with a, a curator or an institution and you really wanna make sure it's the, the best quality work that you can. So for us, it's really important we'd love for people to follow us on YouTube and Instagram, you know, in this day and age, we want to organically grow. We're not about, you know, getting these ghost accounts or trying to get the most followers and this and that. We just want to really engage with people and, and hope that they're loving our, what we're producing. It's, it's really important for us that we produce stuff that people are going to love. And we know that they're going to, you know, like, follow us because it's you're going to enjoy the journey you're going to you're going to see something you know whether you may not like one artist's piece that we're documenting but you'll you'll like something else and so we always have new stuff that's coming up i mean it's really exciting the um i love that process of going in to see someone's show and be like okay how can we do this how are we gonna you know what is the the first image what is the last image um interviewing someone like how do you um, how do you take out the ums and makes you know make it so that people are really saying what they're wanting to say without getting tripped up on public speaking and all of that stuff because it's 
true. Especially for artists who are so not verbal uh, communicators, I think most of the time. Um, yeah. Then to put them in front of a camera and say, talk about your art. <laughs> yeah, the, the, work sh- the work should speak for itself, but sometimes it's, it is nice to have. Mm-hmm. I always like when artists tells me what their work's about. <laughs> yeah. It's like my go-to, because I can, I look at it and there's a certain point where I'm just like, okay, now you tell me what you really wanted me to get from it. But they hate it. Every time I've ever asked artists that, they always, they hate that question. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like it. I, you know, one of the things that's been interesting about this pandemic is this whole idea of a, a virtual opening and doing Zooms. I mean, here we are Zooming right now. There's a sort of love-hate that I have with Zooms, with social media. I mean, it's a love-hate relationship. Sometimes I got to take a break from everything, but it's, it's provided a chance for people to um, like, I've gone to openings where I would never hear the artist talk about their work. I would just see them getting drunk and, and like, or just see the work and just, Oh, see someone else and like get caught up in the socializing. So I miss that socializing aspect, but I also have enjoyed, like you really get to hear an artist talk about their work. And you really understand it and get a sense of it. And I love your cat. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing in the background. She's like climbing into her lamp. <laughs> yeah, I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Well, mama's outside, so that's what's making her go crazy because she's doing yoga. As you, if you ever watched the video, you saw a woman crawl across the floor behind me. Yes. <laughs> <Yoga. laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you so much uh, for spending this hour with us and telling us about everything that you guys are doing. And it's just interesting. I wish that your show was up longer because I'd love to go see it, but I know it's ending. I think today is the last day, right? Today's the last day. Um, Yeah. It's bittersweet. We're, we're, we're tearing down tomorrow. We're having a like we we are having a few people see it tomorrow before like it's supposed to be like artists to come together um and and then close the show but um yeah it's been such a pleasure and to know that we have gotten some great reviews and feedback from people and that's you know we've moved people angels gates very happy with it so we know that there's life to this show yeah because the themes are important that it deals with the contemporary challenges, but in a way that is going to uplift people. So we need that right now. I, I do feel like, you know, the art world needs to re- obviously respond to everything that's going on from um, Black Lives Matter to social movements, Asian issues. Like we are in an ever increasing daunting world and, and the environmental catastrophe that we're still having to deal with. Um, you know, I hope the art world, like art has the potential to heal. It, it really has this sacred role throughout time. And that's, that was the start of this exhibition was like the sacred role that art has played throughout history. Like we want to feature that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's, there's, we're definitely going to continue this thread as, you know, we do have a show that is going to happen next summer at Cal State LA. Voice Live and I are curating um, called Memories of, of Tomorrow's Sunrise. We like our poetic titles. And um, 
So we're really excited to continue this conversation. It's a conversation that we're, we're having with these artists and that's what, that's our goal. That's wonderful. Yeah. And thank you for the conversation today. And it's great to see you and, and know what you're doing and, and, and hear, you know, from other artists that you're interviewing. Great. Uh, uh, I loved, I was looking at what you guys are, the recent things that you did with, um, I think, Ibuki that you had. Um, I don't know, Samuel, if you were able to see that, but she was uh, performing within the space. And it was just so cool because we had just talked to her. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and um, yeah, she's, she's going to be in the summer uh, doing a performance painting performance art piece painting stuff um but yeah we we it's a pleasure like we were like we we documented a lot more we just put out a one minute sort of teaser just to get it out there but we well i'm excited to see more because it was very i thought it was very well done i enjoyed it yeah thanks yeah it's that kind of stuff it's like you know it's like let's let's play let's have fun let's uh Let's really, you know, we're on, we're only here for a limited time, so let's make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then, where again? Tell us where people can find everything you do. L A R documents. L A A R T documents. I'm not gonna spell it out, but documents.com. Um, you can do art dot documents. You know, look up art documents. We're there. We have a square logo with L A and art documents. Um, and then jasongen.com that's j-a-s-o-n-j-e-n-n i love that i have a masculine and feminine name it's my real name jasongen.com and then voice love radovanovich you can you can look him up on alicare documents for the spelling of that but i like to to to, i call him mr voice love so um that's an easier uh way to, to memorize his his name mr voice love Voice love. That's great. And he sends his regards and sorry you couldn't be here, but maybe you can talk to him at some future point. Yeah, we can definitely connect with him when he's a free. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. As always, you can find us on YouTube now if you want to watch us all talk to each other through Zoom. That's always fun. You can see Samuel's cat getting into his lamp. <laughs> um, and that is on the Miss Art World YouTube channel. You can also find us on MissArtWorld.com where you can find the list of um, this episode as well as previous episodes. And then we are also on Instagram at Miss Art World Podcast. So thank you so much. And uh, as always, love you. <laughs> Blessings. Thank you.